Hey, what's going on, man? Let's get this started as I try to remember how this whole thing works. Rock and roll. Oh. So we had fun stuff this week, right? I got promoted. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess there's that, too. <laughs> I meant about, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's been format. an exciting time for Legends, yeah. And, and with more excitement on the horizon. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, uh, formats announced. Um, you mm -hmm. know, the, the Legends crew is at TwitchCon. But yeah, congratulations on the uh, promotion. Cheers. Thank you, man. You were recently promoted as well. So this is like was. The, the second promotion. It is. Uh, you know, our, our uh, project is expanding um, by a f factor of like 40. So well, <laughs> there's room for uh, a lot of new stuff going on. I mean, I, I can personally say that I've been inspired because... Oh, thank you. You before, right, at your previous position, didn't yeah. really share yeah. that you did the YouTube thing. And then That's true. You, you've That's left, true. and at your new position, you have shared that. And since, you've received two That's promotions. True. Now, I... That's true. And our deputy director came up to me, actually, on Thursday, and he was like, Hey, Justin, I started playing that Elder Scrolls game. I was like, which one? <laughs> 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 he's like legends the one you play i was like oh that's awesome and he's like yeah but i just keep like playing random cards and i don't really understand what's going on should i watch your videos or can we talk about it he's <laughs> <laughs> a 45 year old man both I mean, the answer is both um yeah yeah so like i i'm not, I'm not gonna say like i hide it right like i'm not ashamed i wear like a charmer sweatshirt sometimes to work on chilly days yes yeah. i my phone case has like charmer on it and there's a, like a couple of people i work with that know but i don't i don't really like openly share it either just because um yeah. of like the nature of the kind of people that i work with but maybe i need to maybe that's the key to moving up yeah. the ladder Working. of life i mean like before there was just bread on the table now there's butter on the bread yeah <laughs> i will say this from on the flip side of this, they'll be like, I have no free time anymore. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I was going to say that um, on the whole like personal accomplishments thing, um, in April of 2015, uh, that was the first time that I had ever uploaded a video to YouTube, personally. Okay. And I mm -hmm. am uh, going to be receiving my first money ever from YouTube. <laughs> I finally crossed the minimum threshold. So, Congratulations. You know, I'm basically like a YouTube star now, right? Like, are all YouTubers uh, millionaires? When do they send me my, my Lambo? Right. Uh, I'll invite you to the next convention. It'll be at one of Trump's golf courses, actually. Yeah, I don't think I can make it because I'm supposed to be on Ellen that day. And Ooh. Trump's not going to like that. <laughs> I don't know if you know this about Trump, but he doesn't like women. <laughs> um. Yeah, but he's really, like, he loves the... Uh, uh, what is it, LGBTQ community or whatever, you know. Absolutely. He's very forward-thinking and progressive. <laughs> he says that all the time, so. He does. So, yeah. he, has the best, he has the best progression. So, political shenanigans uh, aside, it is the first time that I've ever received money from YouTube, and, like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with my pittance of money that I'm finally uh, getting, but I was, I was excited. It was... It was good. Yeah, it, 
it adds up. I mean, <clears throat> I think I started the channel in August of last year and I got monetized in October and uh, I've made a, you know enough money to justify the hobby to say the least. So uh, I average about, I mean, if, I guess it doesn't matter. I can just talk about this. Uh, the channel up until this last month when I've had to publish only a couple videos a week because I've been so busy. Um, the channel averages about between 150 and 250, 300 dollars a month, depending on how the videos do. Mm -hmm. um, and I could get more if I put more ads in the videos, but like, I try not to be an asshole about that. I just, I just want to be able to um, pay for video editing software. The costumes are the big one that the expenditures go to when we do those videos. And I'm sure with an expansion on the horizon, there'll be some new stuff coming out there. Um, but yeah, and then I promised Sandra that whatever's left over, like because she's letting me do this, <laughs> I would I would spend on her. Well, I mean, I think that's a fair trade-off. I yeah. you know, I just crossed uh, the threshold, so I won't be yep. making like a hundred dollars this first time around. But you know, I was looking that's at awesome. it, and I've been doing content stuff slash Twitch for like over two years. But uh, you know, it's mm -hmm. always been a hobby for me, and so. Um, I, I don't make very much. I definitely spend more than I make. And even when I do spend the money, it's almost always on equipment or whatever. So that's why I'm saying, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it because I, I really need to save for a PC, but I kind of wanted to do, I don't know, something more immediate just to make me feel good about it. I don't know. It'll probably, I understand. It'll probably just sit in a savings account as I work toward getting a new streaming pc awesome man yeah i <clears throat> upgrading the camera and the i need headset next is sort of the, the what i do too i mean like yeah i figure like if people are willing to watch i'm willing to put on the best show possible so in the world of legends right we had um one Absolutely. announcement one like leak this week right so the announcement yeah. was where should uh, the announcement was the... Where should we start? Yeah, I was going to say, like, we'll go with the official one. Uh, the Chaos Arena this week is giving people yes. a Wabajack. So, while you're drafting... It's pretty cool. Yeah, while you're drafting, you will have a Wabajack that you can use to uh, re-roll your card choices. And what's interesting about mm -hmm. it is that you can sometimes even get stuff outside of your class. So if you're drafting, like, mm -hmm. Monk, for example, and you use the Wabajack, you might be shown uh, intelligence cards. So... Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had a lot of success with this so far, actually. Um, I've, I've done one draft, one complete draft so far. I drafted Assassin, and it turns out Sanctuary Raid is crazy in an Assassin deck. <laughs> yeah. I Now I'm curious, how much do you think that is... Like the power of taking a card you normally couldn't put that in that class and putting it there, or how much of your success would you think is based on the surprise factor of people not knowing what to play around because of the potential of out of class cards? That's definitely part of it, I'm sure. Um, you know, not <clears throat> assuming, like for instance, in, in, that, in that case, that I didn't have uh, direct unconditional removal, it was probably. Um, it's a safe bet for them for the most part, but in this case, I just blew them. I blew out like three or four opponents with it. I also picked up a Black Worm Necromancer in that run, and while it didn't have the same blowout effect, like it was amazing, to, an amazing feeling to play that card in an assassin deck. 
Um, but to be honest with you, other than those cards, uh, I ended up picking cards that would fit in, into my deck anyway. Um, I just used the opportunity to re-roll on picks that were like, it was really subpar. And uh, in that, you know, in that respect, there is of course a lot more synergy for the most part in the colors you're already in. Um, unconditional removal is one of those things you just want to grab, though. I love it. I think this twist is really cool. Uh, I think Chaos Arena is one of the most skill-testing formats that Legends has, and I think this is just another <laughs> opportunity to. I'm I'm serious, man. I, I'm totally serious. Look, like here's the thing. I I mean I, here's why I believe this because. Uh, I have an insane win rate in uh, Chaos Arena, but it's because I, I spend so much time thinking about this game. I think that uh, because it's, it's every decision you make has to be based on that board, that turn. You know, like you're really pushing what like you think is possible. You know, and uh, I think Chaos Arena is a great way to uh, great way to play. So, listen, I'll concede to you a couple of things. I'll concede to you that I think that drafting for Chaos Arena is marginally uh, a little more intense, a little more thought-provoking, and I say marginally, just because you have to consider what are the potential lanes I could see, what are the things yeah. that, like, you know, how how hosed am I if I have to swap decks with my opponent, things like that. I'll, I'll also right. concede that it certainly will create some uh, more reactive moments, but I don't know if I can... I don't know if I can back a statement like the most skill testing that the game can Absolutely. be when there are things like uh, the zoo lane. I don't know if I can jump on this train with you, Justin. I, think... I gotta say the zoo lane is sort of an exception to this. I I think that even the Wabajack one, I think like I, barring a turn one Iron Age or knock, I think the player who uses the Wabajack smarter wins that game, that matchup every time. I usually think but yeah, I honestly... uses it second. Yeah, that's smarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you could have just said that, right? And that made it sound uh, it's like super... Well, I'm trying to back up my statement that it's super skill testing, bro. Come on now. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to help out the new players, though. So if, you're, if you've are if you not yeah. played uh, Chaos Arena and had the Wabajack thing, uh, sometimes yeah. in games, both players start with a Wabajack, and I've personally found it to be significantly more beneficial um, if you're the player who uses it last, because then whatever effect yeah. you do is going to stick... It can backfire, yeah. right? Like, if you're trying to use it defensively on your opponent and they get an even better creature, then you're just... You gotta deal with it. But for the most right. part, who if you use it last, it typically benefits you, so... Right. Never use... Like, just use it in situations... And this is a good point to talk about, actually, because I would say that, like, well, great... Way more than half of the matches that I play in the Wabajack, uh, uh, where everybody starts with a Wabajack in play, my opponent is just dropping their creature and wabajacking it right yeah that's what trying I see a to lot. trying to cheese the match like that's that's not the best way to use it you will win a small percentage of your games that way but uh wabajack sir the purpose of the wabajack should be to remove enemy creatures that you cannot deal with and like the, that small percentage chance that your opponent is going to wabajack their turn one creature into an iron atronach and win that small percentage of games is the percentage of games you're going to lose when you do that to an opponent's creature but you do it in positions where you would have lost anyway. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I see a lot of like, I drop a guy and I wab a jacket, and I drop a guy and I wab a jacket, and yeah, you know, it, it's even worse. Like you're just feeding your opponent like free, 
free charges like if you whiff right like if you drop your early creature right. and then you wabajack your own and then you get something that's also subpar like you basically just gave your right. opponent a free use of a wabajack right sweet roll yeah <laughs> so yeah absolutely um i will say though that zoo lane aside i really do believe it's the only skill testing format i think that would be more skill testing would be mirror matches like card for card mirror matches yeah, I mean, that's a statement I could get more behind. I, I don't know if it's just the zoo lane, though, because, like, sometimes you just walk into, you know, like, you walk into, I happened to draft, like, willpower, and I got two imperial reinforcements, and, oh, look, it's, uh, you know, I, it's one of those lanes where, like, the lane is six wide, and the other lane is flanking, so, like, I reinforcements one side, and then I give them all, yeah. like... You well, know. look, willpower is definitely the best color in Chaos Arena for sure. a variety of reasons. Sure. Well, and that's why I, I kind of say, like, I can get behind the idea that drafting for Chaos Arena is, you know, certainly different from drafting for traditional arena and can mm -hmm. be more thought-provoking. But I don't know. May, maybe, it, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is the most skill-testing, and I'm just... Uh, maybe that the, the floor is so low and that you only have to be marginally better for it to be the most skill testing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I know that I love it. I play it every time it comes out. I mean, I make the time to play it, you know, and uh, I, mean, I really enjoy fun. it. Yeah. I, I will have a video of uh, that Assassin run coming out on Monday or Tuesday. Well, I, I look forward but no, to But no Zulane. No Zulane, to be fair. Oh. <laughs> yeah interesting like tangent thought that i just had if you could have another yeah. lane like the zoo lane but with a different subtype yeah. what what kind of lane would you want to see like do you want to see the halloween themed undead lane do you want to see like a daedra lane uh i'd like a dwemer lane oh robot like a dwemer lane yeah absolutely um yeah i think that would be fantastic to be honest with you, uh, <clears throat> because unlike the the zoo lane, where it's like almost always correct to put your creature in the zoo lane, <laughs> like it's not always correct, but it's almost always correct. Uh, I think that a Dwemer lane would be a lot more like there's a smaller range of creatures, right? There's a, that six eight with breakthrough that gives you a zero three in your hand every time it takes damage, but beyond that, like it's a it's a pretty similar set of creatures, as weak as Black Reach Rebuilder, which is weaker than anything you're getting in the zoo lane. Um, so you, it, it creates more tension, which I think makes for better choices, which makes for more interesting gameplay. Yeah, I would, I think it'd be kind of fun to see something like a werewolf lane, mostly because I like the idea of oh, yeah. of whatever you play being a like it being a real transformation you know what i mean like you could call it like like the that. full the full moon lane and you, you play something there and it turns into one of the random werewolves now kind of like that a lot kind of a shame because most of the werewolves are pretty vanilla you know it, a lot of it yeah. is like in the transform effect where like all of the real like power is but i just kind of thematically yeah. like that idea i like it too and we could just go full full stop moron and have it atronach lane <laughs> yeah but those games would be determined very quickly uh, but I think a Dwemer lane I think a Dwemer lane would be particularly interesting 
I think it would be kind of funny if you had like dual lanes and one is uh, Nords and one is Imperials, right? Like you Oh could, yeah. You could really thema- you know, thematically like Shadow yeah. Lane, whatever you put there becomes a random Nord and the other side is a random Imperial and just go go. Just full just like turning this game into dice. Yeah. <laughs> well I mean to be fair, like that's kinda of what Chaos Arena already is. But Is it? Yes. <laughs> That's why it's so skill testing, because I'm I'm testing my skill like at the craps table, Justin. It's craps skills testing game. That's funny. Yeah, I you know I I I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I understand that the chaos arena is not for everybody. Um, you know, I mean, I love drafting in general. Like, the opportunity to make an underplayed card into the all star in your deck is just one that I I live for when I play these sorts of games. So, I'm always down for drafting. I would wait, release way more draft videos if they weren't so like dramatically less popular than the other videos that I do. Here's another interesting but like semi-tangential thought while we're just kind of talking about arena in general. Would you like to see a more like actual draft-oriented format? Now I know that our packs are probably not conducive to that because they're you know only six cards. But if they had some yeah. sort of like larger mechanism, because one of the things that I enjoy most about Eternal and Magic the Gathering, yeah. for example, are booster drafts. Yeah. And that yeah. whole idea of um, of recognizing what's coming your way. So for, for people who haven't played yeah. Eternal or Magic, the way that drafting in those games work is you open typically like a booster pack. And booster packs are like 15 cards. And you open the pack... You take one card, and then, like, when you're playing in person, for example, you pass first to the left, and you do this for three packs. Second time goes to the right, third time goes to the left again. And there's, you know, usually, like, eight people total at a table. Um, But, so the draft experience is part, like, taking the best cards available and building your deck from those. But it's also, uh, in many ways, identifying what is being shipped to you, right? So, like, you can't just, like, bank on I'm going to get all of the best, like, blue cards, for example, because you have to identify that nobody else is on blue and that you're going to actually be shipped cards worth your while. Now, it makes it a little bit more difficult in a format like this because we don't have, um, like, land, right? There's nothing that signifies a color. Uh, Like, there is an Eternal and there is a Magic that can kind of balance things out. um, Right. So, in my mind, it would almost be like a you would draft a pool of cards, and then you would have to, like, only be able to play cards still from two colors, potentially. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know what I you would do. That. I don't know what you would do if you didn't hit, like, the threshold, though. Maybe it would, like, autofill with, like, neutral cards. Like, they'd have to have some sort of mechanism, but I would like to yeah. see something like that introduced where it was not just the like you know i get randomly shown uh three cards i would like it to be a little more uh based also if you're uh, not familiar with those other modes you get to keep the cards you draft as well right so right there is also uh another strategy that i effectively like to call the uh pay for my draft uh strategy so in magic this is where right. you don't draft to win but you just yeah. take all of the rares put in front of you and it right. doesn't matter if you win or not because you get more than enough value out of your cards for what was spent anyway. 
Um, so like you do sometimes run into those scenarios and I, you, that obviously doesn't happen in arena. So I don't know. That's an interesting question, right? I mean, like I'm trying to think of how many packs I would need to open. Like for like, I, I was thinking of sealed, right. As a more reasonable way to do this. And I'm trying to think of how many packs I would need to open in order to build a sealed deck. And the number is like at least 10, right? And then you start to get into like sealed being a prohibitively expensive format for an online game at this that moves at this pace. Because like while drafting is great, like I do think that you ha you hit the nail on the head as to why it's a problem, right? The packs are five cards or six cards or whatever, six cards, and you um, you're gonna get packs that have no cards in your color that you're like your bombs in your first couple picks or whatever, like potentially multiple packs in a row, right? And so you would need to create uh, either a small enough deck size or a uh, pool of cards, enough packs getting passed around that it's feasible to build a deck at all, which I'm worried just might not be possible. So I'm not sure how, how you'd work it out, you know? Well, what if, um, what if it's not like in-game packs, though? Because, again, it works a little bit different right. for Magic and Eternal because they're just pack sizes are in general larger. But what if for yeah. like this style of format a pack yeah. if you will you could, right you, hear me out you could add nine add nine common cards to each pack well no here's here's my train of thought like one pack would be the equivalent yeah. of one pack of core one pack of skyrim and three cards right. uh randomly distributed from uh monthly reward cards in madhouse i like that right because then you get to 15 like cards yeah. you're you yeah. get like a nice even distribution um Right, and so we'll call that like one draft pack, and then just like the other yeah. drafts, like you draft, you know, three or four, whatever they. I'm sure the developers could do the math to figure out what would be required there, right? But you do like three or four of those, and then like that would be your draft experience. I like that. I that's something I'd be interested in, in playing for sure. Um, it's one of those things too that if enough, you know, if eight people were highly motivated to do so, could. Um, come up with on paper right yeah um or, or like uh some kind of internet tool thing help me out here bro i know this stuff exists <laughs> where like random where random cards are generated you know what i mean oh yeah, and then yeah, yeah. you go through you go through it like that and then you you from your own collection build the decks and you have friendly matches against each other yeah i mean there's existing like third-party tools for magic that allows you to do that um there you go third-party tools that's that's a step in the right direction yeah i mean i could call them by their name but like all you need to know is that it's like pieces of software developed independently and people just take right. the card lists and right rng it up and, and call it good yeah i mean that would be that would be interesting and fun you know uh, i'd definitely be interested in playing something like that um uh, oh heat fire ash says that uh tempo storm does it for hearthstone i was not okay, that's aware cool. TempoStorm.com is where I used to uh, net deck my Hearthstone decks a couple of years ago when I played Hearthstone. Yeah, this is gonna sound like really elitist and shitty, but like I never, I never net decked when I played Hearthstone, but that was because yeah. I was playing it mostly at like the launch and then only ever casually after, and so at launch yeah. those tools just didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I when did I start playing? I started playing when that uh, when Dragon Priests came out a couple years ago, or yeah, maybe two years ago now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With um, 
I played for about six months, and I mostly just drafted, but yeah. Anyway, I'm not a huge fan of the game, so. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say that I, like, dislike it. I just, I don't know, it, it doesn't fill what I need anymore. Like, when it first came out, we really didn't have alternatives to play on the mobile platform in that scenario. And yeah, that's why I played it too, yeah. And even, I was going to say, even in the PC experience, there wasn't anything really like it. I mean, you had Magic uh, Online, which I tried for a bit, but I just couldn't, I just couldn't, like, fight through the client. I wasn't, I wasn't really yeah. having a, a fun time. Um, I didn't really like any of the alternatives. Like, I was, you know, I was trying anything. Like, I remember trying to play, uh, like, Soul Forge pretty heavy for a while and things like that, yeah. but... Um, yeah, there wasn't anything like polished enough that like engaged yeah. me. So I played Hearthstone because I didn't really have any other options. But I, I even when I was playing it then, I always felt like it was missing something for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <clears throat> so uh, I think we got to talk about this leak. I think we got to talk about this leak for the next uh, next format we got coming out. Oh, for the format, so you don't need to take a bathroom break. Nah, bro. I'm I'm, right. a, I'm a soldier. I don't. <laughs> I'm a soldier. I don't, I, I don't get I don't get up mid combat. Are you are you a no limit soldier? For life. That's what I, what I told you. <laughs> Sorry, that's my uh, like '90s coming back to me. Yeah. Um. Nah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was talking to Sandra. <laughs> I was talking to Sandra uh, a couple of days ago about how um how before she moved in like one of my favorite things to do was like if i was upstairs because we sleep downstairs but well okay we live in a split level house right so like yeah. the, our bedroom is uh on the like underground sort of right mm -hmm. and then you can go up to the top <clears throat> and um if i was hanging around upstairs and i had to go to the bathroom even though like i was relatively close to the bathroom i found it super satisfying to just like open up the door and pee outside right i live in the suburbs but like you know i have a fence and I, I was trying to articulate like why this is so satisfying and like why like I just I just did it all the time. And uh, she's like laughing at me, and then she's like, you know what though, if it was snowing outside and I was you, I'd probably want to pee in the snow too. I was like, yeah, like I'm glad you're beginning to get it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, she just needs to understand the basic concepts of a werewolf marking his territory. And yeah, exactly. Like that's, I mean, that's just yeah. it. Also. Uh, you know, for me, I tend to find that it scares away the strays because they're like, whoa, oh, whoa. Right. Clearly, right. this is the territory of a man who has nothing to lose. He's just pissing all over his own house. Exactly. I'm going to exactly. stay away from here. So yeah. that's how it works. I'm, pro <laughs> I'm protecting my home. Yeah. No, I mean, I live in, I live in a bi-level too. So yeah. um, I get yeah. it. I thankfully, I have um, like... A, a half bath like right outside this office so like i'm sitting here yeah. and right on the other side is a bath so uh, i i don't have to go far thankfully you know what though man like sometimes it would be farther to go outside than it would be to go to the bathroom <laughs> but you gotta mark like i mean i still felt like i had to do it <laughs> some, sometimes you gotta go out and you gotta like scratch your back on the tree claw mark it up yeah absolutely my neighbor, uh, my neighbor's been getting close to my yard. I'm gonna scat on it. It, it is what it is. Yeah, this is all part of the werewolf theme because it's spooky week. You know, we're getting close to Halloween. We are. Uh, so we're talking about werewolf stuff, about marking territory. I, and, this, this is all that makes sense. This is thematic. Yeah, and and leaks. 
Um, and so we should get back to that, right? So the leaks. Let's talk about the leaks. Yeah. Uh, gauntlet mode. Yeah, we don't know when it's coming, but it was supposedly uh, leaked by accident. Uh, we right. are expecting a future gauntlet mode where you play using yeah. only cards from Heroes of Skyrim. Yes. No, no monthly reward cards, no core set, no madhouse, no That's right. brotherhood, just Skyrim. This is a really interesting one. You know, last week, last week we talked about how block constructed might be the greatest format in existence. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're basically getting uh, what will be like the first, you know, with the exception of like when the game was first released, I guess technically everything was block constructed then. Uh, but we'll be true. getting our first like block constructed experience uh, whenever right. we get this gauntlet, and it's interesting yeah. because there there aren't a lot of tools for like existing archetypes the way that you would think. Um, you know, before we started the stream, uh, but you know, you and I were kind of talking about how Skyrim yeah, we... Skyrim has a dearth of two drops that are like exciting. Yes. Yeah, you and I spent quite a bit of time theorycrafting some decks. And actually, I copied images to those decks, so if you don't mind, I'm going to share the tweet that I tweeted them out in the chat so we can kind of talk about some ideas we had. Yeah. Rock and roll. Yeah, you're right. The two-drop slot is abysmal in Heroes of Skyrim only. And I'm going to see what we can do here. All right. We're yeah, gonna... I'll be honest. There's probably a simpler way to do this. No, you're, you're fine. I'm going to uh, temporarily hide your face for a minute. Man, so, lucky, lucky, lucky audience. So this is kind of what he was uh, was sharing, right? So like, this is, you know, the the shell of a battle mage deck, shell of a monk deck. Yes. Shell of a scout deck. Mm-hmm. And he's also tweeted this on Twitter, which, by the way, if you're not following Justin on Twitter, you should totally do that. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> uh, you know, we've got this this warrior build, and him and I were kind of going back and forth about things that we thought would be, you know, potentially viable because, again, like when you think about traditional archetypes, right? Like Ramp Scout, for example, the ramp cards are essentially gone when you go to Heroes of Skyrim only. Like you get the, the Devil Dragon, as I like to call uh -huh. it, uh, but that's it. And for your aggressive strategies, you don't really have a lot of high-quality two-drops. Right. Yeah, the two-drop slot is just, like, void. Mud Crab, Ankle Snapper, and Circle Initiate are the, like, only playable, like, reasonable two-drops. And Midnight Snack. Yeah. There's also, you know, as we were talking about things to, like, keep in mind, right? There's no support removal. Yeah. Right. Then the no support removal thing is huge. We were talking about that. Unfortunately, there there is also a dearth of like supports you want to like exploit. <laughs> yeah. So the downside is is unless you really want to make like wolf cage work. Um, yeah. You know, dragon mound once it hits play. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of it's it's just done its thing already. Right. Um, but there's some, I mean, there's some like I, cards that are just like gonna be best in those colors, right? Like because removal is so limited, right? And this is gonna end up being, I think, like a, a mid-range slog because like tr I really tried to come up with something more aggressive than I was able to come up with. You did as well. We talked about it quite a bit. 
Like it's going to be like who can find the best playable removal options. And and you had some thoughts about where the best removal was in Heroes of Skyrim. I mean, yeah, I think that willpower it's all conditional, but it's still the best source of your your reliable removal. Uh, you have yeah. Grizzly Gourmet, you have Devour, um, Sanctuary yeah. Raid. Uh, no, Sanctuary Raid no, no, me, is Dark uh, yeah. uh, Arrest. Sorry, I knew it was a seven cost. Arrest. Arrest. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you do have some of those options. And uh, the other option that I think is going to see a lot of play, um, so whether it's the best or not, who knows, but just I expect it to be very popular, is anything with agility because you'll have Drain Vitality and Shearpoint yes. Dragons. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I agree. Devour is going to be clutch. I think Arrest is going to be mandatory because it's the only reason... It's the only one card that'll answer a Skeletal Dragon, which is going to be a huge bomb in the format. I think that Lay Down Arms, uh, a card that sees no play, <laughs> is going to be a pretty clutch spell for willpower running removal. Uh, I'm sorry, endurance decks that need some removal. It's also worth noting if you're either a new player or somebody who has just never played Laydown Arms because the card is like pretty mediocre. Um, yeah. If you have Shearpoint Dragon on the board, it <laughs> will right. outright kill something. So Laydown Arms uh, yeah. costs four and it sets the attack and health of a creature to a a one one essentially. Right. But because it's reducing. Uh, health with its effect, Shear Point then does it by an additional minus one, minus one, so it just outright sets it to being a zero, zero, and they die. Yeah. Yeah, I, I that's a great combo that I'm excited to <laughs> to actually use somewhere besides Solo Arena. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that is worth noting. But yeah, like the removal options, uh, the other thing to, to note uh, specifically is that your uh, area of effect removal is also very very missing in this format. Right. No Dawn's but, Wrath, no Ice Storm, not not even like Immolating Blast. Um, not no Odoving. I mean, you know. there's virtually nothing. Yeah, it is it is a good time to potentially go wide. So, uh while token decks don't get all a lot of their buff cards because you have no Fifth Legion Trainer, no Orc Clan Captain, no Divine Fervor, um it still might be entirely viable to just go wide. In fact, uh, Justin mm -hmm. and I were both talking about uh, how powerful we feel mm -hmm. the willpower shout is in a block format. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that card is going to be crazy. I mean, even if it doesn't have any synergy with anything in your deck besides Word Wall and Greybeard Mentor, if you're running yellow, like you should definitely be running Call of Valor. Yeah, Call of Valor is, I mean, even at level 2, you're paying 3 to get a 6-6 six, six worth of stats, and that's going to be really right. important in this, like, mid-rangey, you know, yeah. I mean, I think Justin hit the nail on the head. It's going to be a slog, right? It's going to be yeah. battling for board and trying to take your advantage uh, while you can. Yeah. I agree. And uh, Joe Duda yet uh, writes, uh, Unrelenting Force will still be a mediocre card. I agree. Um, I don't know that I mean, in certain circumstances, obviously, like playing for tempo, like dropping that to bounce a creature and then following your it up that on your turn with another creature isn't super unreasonable, but like that card is pretty bad, and there are so few cards you can bounce with it that it's awful. Like, 
we were talking about how Grizzly Gourmet is just like a great card before we started, um, and one of the few quality removal spells in the format. And then we realized there's like five creatures that it could actually hit that anybody's gonna play. <laughs> yeah, because there is no Word Crafter, there is no Daggerfall Mage. Yeah. If Unrelenting Force could hit your own creatures, it would be um, about 30,000 times more powerful. <laughs> yeah, some other interesting things that we were talking about that are probably not going to end up being good, but could be kind of fun and meme-y if, if you want to go that route for this gauntlet when it does come out. Um, yeah. Specifically, I really want to see uh, Emperor Titus meme, as I like to call yeah. him, see some play. Yes, because. You know, with the lack of quality removal, he is a lot easier to stick on the board and keep there. And yeah. giving everything that you're drawing, plus one, plus one in guard, is pretty strong. Um, <clears throat> even even if it's just hitting vanilla creatures, uh, it can go a long way, specifically if they prophecy. So, like, the thing I was saying to Justin uh, earlier when we were kind of theory crafting is that that guy in in a block format, if he hits a Mystic Dragon that gets procked off of a rune, it might just outright win you the game. Getting a five five guard uh, mm -hmm. with no hard removal floating around in this format to like effectively deal with that is a really big deal. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I want to say Tallulah was talking about earlier about um, lane changing cards and uh, lethal creatures. There is exactly one lethal creature in heroes of skyrim <laughs> and it is not very good it require it's the two two for three agility creature that requires you to have another creature with lethal on the board to get a bonus <laughs> yeah another thing that i had kind of said would be kind of fun or, or mimi would be um you have to survive long enough to like really get the effect from it but arrest mage I think looks pretty attractive in a format like this because of all the flicker effects that you would have yeah. and just taking advantage of things like conjuration scholar and making a bunch of frost atronax could be fun. Now you have to survive yes. long enough to get there, but right. Right. And unfortunately, like, well, blue does have access to some removal. It's uh, not great. I mean, this is like, Without Lightning Bolt, without Piercing Javelin, without Edict of Azura, without Finish Off, and without Leafler, <laughs> like so many cards, like the the caliber of threats way outpaces the caliber of removal. So getting to a point where you're doing that cool stuff is going to be really challenging. Hey Pete Crichton, I have played a lot of High Rothgar Sorcerer, um, and uh, I would love to see that list. <laughs> that is one of my favorite things to try to win with. I think I went six and six and three in a gauntlet with it one time. <laughs> so the other elephant in the room after the last gauntlet is East Empire Crafter. Yeah, yeah, card strong. It's strong, but the question is: is how strong is it in a Skyrim only block where you have to have enough creatures at that threshold to really trigger it? Not as strong. That's that's definitely for sure. Um, you and I were talking about a spell sword list, and then we got sidetracked with Monk because Monk has sheer point dragon. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but in spell sword, like you do have um, the Snowfoot detachment guy that gets 
bonus when you have more guard creatures. You do have uh, Lydia. Lydia, I think, will just completely shut down some decks if it comes out on curve. You do have the um, support card that gives you a zero one or zero two guard for free, and gives your guard creatures plus one plus zero. So there are there are there's an opportunity for a sky uh, deck in spell sword that uses that. I think you would put uh, Titus Mead in that deck. I think you would put High Rothgar in that deck. Um, but without things like, I mean, not to be too memey, but like, honestly, Portcullis is such a beating in the High Rothgar yeah. <laughs> like deck. Any like like without that, without lurking mummy, those two prophecy cards, like you're gonna have a harder time pulling this off. So speaking of memes, something we didn't uh, talk about before, but has crossed my mind is with the amount of like subpar stuff floating around. How much do you want to play barter? Oh, I actually I seriously considered it, but then I thought, well, okay, I'll probably end up playing a deck with barter in it. <laughs> but I feel like. I get enough messages where people are like, hey, I couldn't get your ridiculous meme deck to work, that I would just uh, keep the deck lists as reasonable and responsible looking as possible. <laughs> All right, that's fair. It's, yeah. it, won't, it won't be good, but I, I feel like uh, at least mentioning it. Yeah, absolutely. I Honestly, I kind of feel like Barter is almost playable already. Um, <laughs> I, I once I know played it's too... a hell of a game against Turquoise Link when he was playing that Barter Archer. And... Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think you put Barter in, in a market deck. <laughs> it was kind of like that. It was like a mid-range archer, but he was running um, like contract generators. Right. And I think he was even running um, Skulk, but instead of the curse package, he was finding some like junk zero-cost card, and then he was using those Yeah. to trade with the Barter. Yeah, I agree. I think that that would be... I think that's better than it looks. It's as close as you get to like discard in this game. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just not uh, consistent enough, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Duke Wolf Ryan uh, asks. He made the monk deck on my YouTube channel with the tokens. Um, the meta has responded very un like harshly against the token decks that took over. <laughs> this is just a bad time to play tokens. Yeah, unless unless they are tokens that you immediately charge, that's yeah. probably not a good time because people are. Yeah. Scout has, I mean, it's still popular, but Scout has kind of waned in popularity a bit, and as it wanes, control decks jump in. So, right. um, I know it's going to sound weird, but like for the last week, I've played against a lot of mid-range monk. And a lot of yeah. support mage. Yeah. Yeah, uh, tokens have been hated out pretty successfully at the moment. Um, it's not that it's a bad deck, it's just not the right time to play it. And I think that tokens are still a great choice in tournament setting. If you can bring multiple decks, I would definitely bring at least one tokens deck. Yeah, I mean, if it's one of the ones that has the... Uh, ban option. Anytime that you can take an archetype and take two copies of it so they can't outright ban it, then that yeah. tends to go a long way. You know? Yeah. I agree. Um, 
Joe Duty asks, since this format is a mid-range slog, will Restoration Tutor be playable for the clutch value trades? Um, maybe. I think you might consider it in a in a spell sword deck running a lot of guards, potentially. See, I I don't personally think that, that it's going to be good enough because you have yeah. to have. I mean, you have to have a big enough creature to make it like worth your time to play a subpar creature to kill right. it. If that makes yeah, any sort true. of sense at all. That is true. Like if my three three, you know, like let's say you're playing on curve, right? So like when my three three trades into a two two, and then I play the restoration tutor, and I go back to a three three, like yeah, was it worth it? Like I know that you're technically getting you know like a three six worth of stats at that point or whatever, but is it really worth it for me to you know play a three four on curve just to like get one extra use out of that three three? I'm not sure. And if you're talking about yeah. late game stuff then at that point, like, I'd rather just have the late game, if that makes sense. So I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Restoration's tutor, restra yeah, Restoration Tutor is a card I've tried out quite a bit, and uh, I've just never been impressed with. Even in, like, uh, self-harm, like, warrior decks using horkers and trolls and stuff like that, I haven't been able to pull it off. Yeah, I take that back. If you're playing uh, Raging Horker because it gives me a Raging Horker, then yes, play Restoration <laughs> Tutor. But otherwise... <laughs> I, look, Raging Horker is one of the best two drops in the format. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Yeah, it's, it's, it's clearly in the top ten. <laughs> that is definitely true. <laughs> oh. I'm super excited about this. I think it'll be great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think that I, I almost like enjoy theory crafting for this one more than even like the popper one personally, you know? Yeah, I agree. Popper was solved way too quickly. I think popper as a format works in magic because there are 500,000 magic cards or whatever. <laughs> uh, I think that in some ways here's the heroes of Skyrim format might be solved too quickly, but I feel like, Unlike the, the popper format where there are a couple of cards that are just a, so much more powerful than others, um, the Heroes of Skyrim cards, like, there are some standout cards, like Ancano, for instance, but for the most part, they're all about the same power level. Like, as far as, like, what each class has access to. And th that's because they all have access to virtually no answers. Like, <laughs> there are a couple big, you know, finishers in each color. Um, so I think it'll be all right. Joe asks an interesting question, and that's one of the things that uh, Justin and I were were talking about. So I think this is a good time to yeah. mention it. Uh, Joe asks, "Will the RNG be tuned for the format? Will Bringer of Nightmares be uh, able to get creatures from other sets?" Now we don't honestly know because it's really everything we know about the format was leaked from an image. But my understanding is that they likely didn't go through and like recode everything. Um, right. And the reason that my instincts tell me that is if you're a veteran of this game, you know that the moment they release a monthly reward card, it's in the pool. Like you can even get right. that from random effects. So if right. they don't even take their time to like keep that out of the pool once it's been announced, I doubt they're going to limit this to just Heroes of Skyrim. Yes. And as a result, Justin and I were talking about how much we wanted to play Battle Mage because we think that there can be potentially a lot of power 
and using yeah. the random effects to just get you cards that would be available from the other sets, right? So things like exactly. Revealing the Unseen, Battle Mage's Onslaught, College of Winterhold might have more value in a format like this just because of right. what they, they could potentially get you. Yeah, Battle Mage's Onslaught and Revealing the Unseen are two cards that I'm really excited to try out. Um, those are cards I think that are... <clears throat> well. But Battle Mage's Onslaught in particular, I think, is a good card already that just doesn't have a deck that it could possibly work that well in. But not yeah. to say, I mean, like, just like with anything, like, I've won games with it, but, like, you're not going to go on, like, a 90% win rate or anything like that. Yeah, no, no. But, I mean, also, from the fun factor, and I, I really kind of look at this one as being the, the sort of gauntlet that I'm probably going to play more for fun than anything. And from the fun yeah. factor, I think that using some of those random cards, yeah, it's uh, I mean it's enticing to me, you know. I agree, and Tululi has a good point. Like uh, overdraw dot deck, I mean that is the classic problem that the Battle Mage's onslaught revealing the unseen deck has, is filling its hand up. And I tried to mitigate that, like when we were talking about Battle Mage earlier, uh, when we were coming up with some lists, by uh, by including stuff that like I mean like. What's the the two two werewolf with prophecy? Like that's going into what is like gonna function more like a control deck than anything else that I, I put out, uh, because like you you're gonna be able to drop that stuff and then refuel with those cards. I mean that's the goal anyway. That's the hope. Yeah, realistically, we're all just gonna get killed by skeletal dragon. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't actually think that's gonna happen. But that is why arrest is in in the uh the willpower deck yeah i was about to say so you know assuming that you can survive to the late game you know i think that the other elephants in the room are skeletal dragon and parthenax right because both are going to be your late game cards that as far as skyrim is concerned generate you the most card value yeah i agree yeah there's i mean there's not a lot of card draw you know I think that uh, I think Elderly Matron's good again if it can pull beasts or animals from outside of just Skyrim. That would be pretty clutch. So if you're playing High Hrothgar Scout, yeah, make sure that you consider putting in Elderly Matron. Yes, because even though even though stat-wise, it doesn't really help you. It doesn't do what you want it to do. Um, it yeah. could pull you the snowy saber cat. That's true. And that is a 7-7 seven, seven with double strike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, there's, there's obviously some flex op cards too, right? Like, as we see what the format actually ends up looking like, what everyone else is playing, it may be that the deck that hits uh, Journey to Sovngarde is the deck that wins, right? But I think that, I mean, I, I guess I'm of two minds. Like, on the one hand, I think Dragon Mound, Journey to Sovngarde are going to be good. Um, on average, Dragon is going to be better than what you're putting in your Heroes of Skyrim deck. Yeah, but, I think Dragon Mound is legit. Like, it. Yeah. If it really does end up just being like a mid range slog fest, if you are ever in a position where you can afford to play it and you don't fall too far behind, it would likely just win you the game. Because you're getting four yeah. fours or better every turn from then on out. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. 
and the, and the question then becomes like is there ever a point where you can make where you can play a neutral six or seven cost card like in the tempo you lose from that right uh and is that okay um we'll see i suppose <laughs> So, um, one of the other things that you had wanted to talk about yeah. was like just drafting in general for this week, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love drafting and uh I feel like I feel like uh first of all, I feel like the draft format changed a whole lot when Heroes of Skyrim came out and like now I feel like I've got a much better feel for it than I did in the first couple weeks. Um but yeah, I thought maybe we could open it up to questions from people who uh have concerns about what's going right or wrong with their draft and uh you and i i know do quite a bit of drafting and we could maybe share some of our insights into the into the process yeah i think that's legit so anybody have any questions about drafting just type them on out and we'll we'll talk about that uh in the you know i guess there there are a few like while we wait for questions there's a few like staple like things right like uh we were talking earlier just just sort of a sort of an aside but in chaos arena like you you probably want to draft willpower <laughs> uh because you want token generating cards that go wide because there are a lot of lane effects that benefit that quite a bit but in general like uh what you want to do in a in a in a regular arena deck is look for the best removal options right and the the best What's your favorite domestic draft beer? Yeah, I, I don't drink. I haven't drank since November of 2010. <laughs> um, the uh, and what kind of removal you're looking for, right? Kind of depends on what color you're in. Like some require synergy. Some of it's just uh, unconditional, right? Like the yellow removal. But uh, that's one of the reasons why sorcerer. I'm sorry, not sorcerer. Why scout is particularly weak in arena, because the uh, the removal suite is limited to uh, lay down arms and mummify, kind of, and uh, leaf lurker and finish off. Um, and one of the reasons why uh, assassin, despite having leaf lurker and finish off effects, is so strong because it has access to the red damage based removal. I'm sorry, the blue damage based removal that synergizes so well with the uh, green removal. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. What do you got? I was going to say, one of the things that I would recommend, and I'm actually going to put a link to it in the chat as well. Um, if you're watching this or listening to this podcast later, you can also just kind of Google the term. Um, but there's this thing, uh, it's an acronym called BREAD that was used for Magic the Gathering for a long time. And it kind of was uh, meant to help people figure out like what you know is the best card even if i know nothing about what's going on right like what are the things i should be looking for in draft and so the the acronym is really like bombs is the b and that means things that you know can just outright win you a game on its own mm -hmm. um after that is r for removal right that's exactly what you were just talking about removal is really important it allows you to be reactive so on and so right. forth um there's also, uh, after that, typically in Magic, the E was for ev evasion, and that was creatures that uh, could get damage in on your opponent without interacting with their board. Um, yeah. It's a little bit more difficult for, like, uh, evasion to exist in a game like this. However, um, Charge. 
yeah there are, there are things like charge there are things that provide reach uh there is also just the the other side right so i've seen the bread acronym also say efficient as opposed to evasion so if you have some uh high efficiency stuff it's there um after that a is usually for like aggressive or uh anything right like i call that just bodies when i'm drafting like if if all yep. else fails just take the thing that i can put on the board right um, and then the d is usually for like duds um basically like the stuff that you're stuck with so uh, if you're not familiar with that acronym, um, you know, I would kind of look into it. Uh, you can still follow it for this game. And yeah. it's it's really helpful. Uh, real I quick, agree. I'm, I'm being yelled at. Uh, Jeffro the Dude, a longtime viewer, uh, did just subscribe via Twitch. He's giving me a hard time for not acknowledging him, even though I was mid-long rant. So, Jeffro, this is me acknowledging you. I look forward to your strongly worded letter. I love you. Jeffro the Dude writes, Dear Charmer, I'm subscribing for two months in a row, but you're not talking to me anymore. I'm afraid that we're going to have to have a long conversation about this later. Well, Jeffro, we appreciate your sub, and we love you. Oh, now I want a sub. Subs are great, man. There's this really good uh, like, small local chain called Jersey Giants. Yeah. Over by my never, house. It's delicious. Never been there. Yeah, I mean, it's like a local-ish okay. thing. But it's delicious, and now I want one. I really like... Uh, when I was living in Kansas, there was Mr. Goodsense, which was a sandwich shop chain that I really enjoyed. Uh, they don't have them here, so I go to Subway a lot. Um, and there's a... But, I mean, it's one of those things where, like... A lot of the times when you go to these like chain restaurants, like I, as a vegetarian, like I feel like kind of left out by most of the options. But I can totally get a sandwich and like put all these sauces and vegetables and spices on it, and feel great. And, like I really enjoy it. Well, apparently everybody are uh, draft superstars. I know. The only comment about drafting we got was Tallulah saying that he learned how to draft watching our videos. <laughs> I'm sorry. He, he or she don't don't assume Tallulah's gender. That's true. My apologies. Uh, Hocus Crocus. Yes, I'm sure Charmer does rap better than I do because I am awful at rapping. Oh well, not draft related, but I like the question. Team Defiance asks, "How can the ladder become better?" Um, this is something that we kind of touched on once in a previous podcast. Yeah. But for me. Um, I would like to see them do something very similar to what Gwent has done with their pro ladder, but just for the overall ladder. And that is limit the number of games that count. Because right now, right, uh, you could theoretically abuse time as opposed to efficiency to grind the ladder, right? Um, you could take like a 60% win rate deck and play that but as long as you played like 200 more games than the next person um essentially end better off than somebody else right there's also that whole like time factor um yeah the latter right now kind of favors playing aggressive decks not just because of the meta though the meta is also very strong and uh favoring aggressive decks right now but just because if I can play a deck and I can finish my game in five to ten minutes, 
even if that deck has like a five to ten percent win rate less than a control deck I would be playing, I will net, you know, two, three, four more games a night if I sit down and just even play for a couple of hours, and those yeah. mean more more wins potentially to get me to progress on the ladder, right? So yeah. for me, if you want to make the ladder experience better, you have to make each game count, right? That's one of the things that that's why the meta for tournaments is so different uh, when you compare it to like just general ladder experience. The ladder is basically a best of one against anything you could possibly queue up against, right? But when you go to a tournament, not only is it not really a best of one, but also um, you're not likely to be like just running into random memes. You know, you kind of know what you're going to expect. You can game plan for it. Um, but you're, you're just, you're trying to play your best deck, right? Like win rate matters the most. You're going to play the thing that has the 80% win rate, even if those games take a half an hour because the time part goes out the window. It's just, can I win the game? Um, right. so any way that you can, in my opinion, simulate that on the ladder. And I'm not even saying that like the way that Gwent is doing it is the best way. I just think that it's an interesting, uh, decision that could be explored more because it's not you know how how many games can i spam on the ladder in any given month well said <clears throat> um so we have a uh we have a draft question here um what's what uh Kawhi left shark asks what is the best curved draft in general like how much early game should i draft in general i tend to try to use my hearthstone curve experience but it's not exactly the same um so we we touched on this a little bit um i think probably before the the podcast started where when heroes of skyrim cards were added to the draft pool and this is something we were talking about because of the hero skyrim gauntlet uh the number of two drop creatures in heroes of skyrim is significantly lower lower percentage wise than the number of two drop creatures in the other sets right so when it was added to the card pool of things that could be presented to you the number of two drop creatures you were presented with um on average decreased uh they kind of make up for this by introducing a bunch of three drop cards that trade favorably with most two, most two drop cards like wooden lookout um in fact all the lookouts really uh, but there's a there's this thing now where like if you draft a deck that has five six two drops right like you're gonna frequently find yourself in a position in, in a regular draft in a regular arena run uh where you're just gonna be unstoppably snowballing out of control i mean the ability to go turn two two drop turn three three drop turn four two two drops is likely gonna be uh difficult for you to stop if you don't find yourself being presented with those options like you can draft like to beat those decks right like focus on the threes and fours with guard the dark guardians the hive defenders and stuff like that but after like after like five or ten picks like you really need to start identifying like am i going to be on track to be that more aggressive tempo oriented like deck that's going to sacrifice early game creatures as they get destroyed by bigger creatures from my opponent and then have the reach to finish the game or am i going to be able to gain control of the board put my opponent in top deck mode and then win with whatever creatures i have left yeah, I think that that is uh, great advice. Uh, the only thing that I would uh, potentially tack on as well, um, I think people, as a general rule, know that prophecy is really strong. 
but the thing you have to remember specifically about Arena is that uh, the deck size is smaller, so Prophecy is uh, that much stronger because you're more likely to hit him. So if your curve is not perfect, but you can pack in a decent number of Prophecy cards, specifically creatures that impact the board, uh, you yeah. can also just outright win games because like, if you catch you know a creature off of the first you know rune, maybe even the first and the second rune, um, you're, like, yeah. you're just going to win that game. It doesn't matter what your curve is, right? So right. you can make up for a bad curve sometimes if you just keep taking Mystic Dragon. Is I guess what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah, a Mystic Dragon off the first rune can just win you the game. Um, Tula asks, what's the highest cost prophecy in Skyrim Blue Dragon? There's a five cost blue card. Uh, it's a 2-3, but it says draw cards equal to the number of cards your opponent has drawn this turn. That's the most expensive. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, I would I like to avoid the colors that present the most one-dimensional draft options too, right? Like I prefer the assassins, the scouts, even though it lacks quality removal, the sorcerers over the uh, or the warriors, even although less that over the battle mages, the archers, and the um. The Crusader in particular, because it's not that you can't draft good decks in those colors. It's that like, if you are present, like it's easier when presented with cards that don't necessarily work in the same deck very well in those colors to have your like deck just be a hodgepodge of things that don't work well together. Whereas in colors that have a variety of playable cards across the spectrum that can be control, mid range, aggro, whatever you need it to be. Uh, you're going to find that your draft experience is a little more forgiving of the randomness of the cards that are presented to you. So Joe uh, asked, what do we want from the next expansion? Should it be a story like Dark Brotherhood or packs like Skyrim and what archetypes do you want to see support for? Uh, do you want to beat that dead horse or do I? Yeah, we go ahead, man. I, we answer this question. Yeah. This comes up, it feels like every week. Um, yeah. You know, I personally, I desperately want a Hearthfire uh, expansion that introduces yes. player housing. That's right. And I'd if, like to be able to adopt small children. And if I can't get married, um, yeah. and it needs to be progressive, if I can't get married to Justin Larson, then this oh, game is fuck. literally unplayable. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> literally unplayable. First, you have to adopt me. Then you have to raise me, and then you have to groom me. Actually, uh, I'm talking about the uh, the Woody Allen expansion. That's my bad. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, t typically Justin and I's response are that like we'd love to see more story stuff because we think it's engaging. I'd like to see yeah. them add more player levels to the game because I thought that was a very unique and interesting experience that I enjoyed when I first started playing. Um, yeah. So I think they need to retap that well. And, I agree. Uh, I, typically, the other thing that him and I say is that for archetypes, we just want to see more uh, build around cards, stuff like that was in the Madhouse collection that will either spawn new archetypes or breathe new life into uh, existing archetypes. Those are usually exactly what, what we say. That's the too long, didn't read version. So yeah, I agree. Um, any more draft questions? Let's see here. What do we got? Uh, not draft related. We have. Can you help me, Mister? I don't know. That depends. 
Um, if you have general questions about life or the Elder Scrolls Legends, then I can answer them. I don't know how helpful they will be. Also, if you're trapped at the bottom of a well, I cannot help you. You should call 911. Or, or Lassie. She's good at that. Um, we also have uh, Team Defiance asks, as an anti-meta player, how should they adapt each month? I notice I always need to make a new deck to fight the meta every month because it changes. Um, the best answer I can say to that is actually don't even wait till like each month yeah right? like just I, play whatever you want well play whatever you want but like if you're specifically trying to combat the meta the meta changes in my experience like once every week to two weeks yeah think, think of the best way i can uh, describe it is think of what it looks like at the beginning of a month when a new card comes out and then think about what the meta looks like two weeks later and then think about what the meta looks like at the end of the month like it'll change throughout the course of the month the best advice I can give you is to track your games, track your not just your wins and losses, but what you're playing against. Yeah. And then if you see a shift, right, in the trend, and if you visit forums, visit Reddit, you talk to other players, um, utilize Discord, etc., you'll know what everyone else is playing against, and you'll notice that people will say, like, hey, I'm seeing this other thing more and more. Then yeah. start thinking about, like, what combats that, right? So... I think that that is the best thing to do if you're specifically trying to, you know, stay one step ahead of the meta, if you will, um, yep. is to just pay attention to what is being played, but also pay attention to when the winds are changing, and then try to get out in front of it. Well said. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, when something becomes successful, when something becomes popular, I stop playing it. <laughs> And then I just move on to the next thing that I, I just want to engage my time with. Um, and then eventually that becomes popular. Like, I don't know, like a week after Heroes of Skyrim came out, I made a uh, tokens deck that was all yellow and I won 11 games in a row with it, right? And it was a couple weeks later when tokens became huge. Also, I was in a, uh, I was in a tournament, brought tokens, just destroyed, uh, what's his name? I don't know. Some, some name in the community <laughs> and then it became huge there too and you know what i stopped playing tokens because i totally feel the like desire not to play the meta stuff fortunately i think that like heroes of skyrim or despite having made uh some matches more polarized um and some curve outs some more unbeatable uh the cards are all relatively around the same power level so like just do what something that no one else is doing and if you're running powerful enough cards like you'll win often enough that you should have a good time yeah I, the other thing to note is that there are certain decks that do well because of what i call the surprise factor and even if it's a good deck when you first start playing it like yeah it's gonna taper off not even just because of like the meta adapting but just because people will be more aware of it right like when right. i think about like when prophecy heavy decks were really coming to life way way yeah. back uh early stages of the game um it was prophecy assassin not battle mage back then and right. they were very effective because people just weren't expecting somebody to run like 30 prophecies right um but like once people caught on like that deck started to taper off and then it wasn't until like the battle mage version showed up and they got a couple more tools and some cards got like nerfed and blah 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 um, but like similarly, like as somebody who's been playing charge-based decks for like the last nine months, um, when I came up with the Battle Mage version of Time to Fight, 
everybody was expecting Battle Mage to be Prophecy Battle Mage. So they felt like, okay, if I just sit back and I don't hit the guy, he'll run out of gas. And yeah. that's like, that's how you win that match. And that wasn't the case. Like, I just kept drawing direct damage. Um, and so that worked, and I did very well. In fact, I even took that into one of the tournaments. Um, and I was like winning games that were being casted. Um, but a lot of that was surprise factor, right? Like people weren't expecting that kind yeah. of deck at the time. Now people are very familiar with, you know, time to fight with Charger, Ray Chargels, etc. Um, right. Because I've been playing them for nine months trying to beat that dead horse. Like, hey, this is viable. Um, right. But yeah, like yeah. surprising people. Like Support Mage. The first time I ever played against Support Mage totally yeah. caught me off guard. That's a good example of a deck that has flaws that can be exploited that beats you the first time you see it. Yeah. <laughs> um, another deck like that is uh, every so often Pilfer Monk <laughs> shows up again. And we all forget, right? <laughs> forget how Pilfer Monk kills you and how quickly it does it. And then, uh, then you remember and then you just beat it every time you play against it. Oh, so non non-draft related but joe asks uh how sustainable do you think the current power level is uh is legends capable of uh an extended use of horizontal power creep instead of vertical power creep i think historically there's evidence that it is capable of it um i don't think the power level of the game uh or an, the average card for instance increased when madhouse collection came out and debatably even when fall of the dark brotherhood came out um, I think Heroes of Skyrim features some true power creep as far as uh, pushing cards out of the meta because they're not they can't compete anymore. So I have faith that they're capable of doing it again. Yeah, I to me I think that the answer is a mixed bag because I would I would argue that there has been very very few direct vertical power creep instances in the game thus far yeah. however i would also say that the decks overall are getting uh, more polarized and just kind of like in general of a higher power level and a higher quality than when the game was first released because of the synergy right so while individually in a vacuum cards are not creeping vertically in power um just by the nature of the way the like card games exist the more resources you have available to create synergy with yeah. the more powerful things become so i don't think that like i think all card games will inevitably have vertical power creep like even if you never do a direct like you know here's a vanilla 2-2 and now here's a vanilla 2-3 like that sort of like direct power creep um, it will be a thing that happens because you'll print something and it'll make a card that was like mediocre before be outstanding now and that'll just continue to happen because you'll have more options. I completely agree. Um, I, you know, long term it's inevitable like you said. That's why I think in you know any year or two I think that uh, introducing rotating formats is a good idea um, I think that it'll be interesting to see you know we talked last week about um, and this is something I mentioned many times which is I think that past a point once the card 
any card pool expands past a certain point, deck diversity will will naturally decrease. And and by that I mean like not that there aren't more options to play, but like more decks that are successfully capable of winning. And that's because I believe that whereas pre Heroes of Skyrim, pre uh, Fall of the Dark Brotherhood, you had you know like. 25 let's say cards that were going in that class because they're the, they're just high quality cards class defining cards and then you had these other 25 like flex slots where you put in the stuff that expressed exactly what you wanted to do with that deck or cards that you just really enjoyed and uh as the card pool has expanded rather than like uh increase the diversity of decks that are competing at the highest level what we see is that uh, a deck may now have 35 or 40 like auto includes because they're best in slot best at what they do in each class right and so the number of flex slots the number of like well, like I could run this or I could run this like neither one of them are are amazing or class defining the, because the number of those slots are decreasing like over time the diversity of the, the tier 1 caliber decks is decreasing as well which is why I think that because I believe the game's going to be around for a long time. I mean, Bethesda's behind it, Direwolf's behind it. These are, you know, huge companies uh, that produce good work that uh, support their products for a long time. I mean, like, Skyrim just got released for, like, the eighth time. Yeah. Um, so, like, I have no doubt that the game's going to be around for a while, but I do think it's why format rotation is inevitable. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get Legends VR. We're going to get Legends on Nintendo Switch. We're going to get... You know, right. Legends Remastered, we're going to get... Right. Intervenus <laughs> Legends. Yeah. Legends uh, Collector's Edition. Yeah. For the retro gamers, they'll print off some paper cards, too. <laughs> hey, hey, I've got some of those. I know you do. I've, you know, I have paper Eternal cards. I got those when I was uh, at Direwolf, but they did not have any Legends ones for me. Oh... So, uh, Zombie Hunter 9x19 asks, uh, do you think that Mentor of the Watch is good in draft? And what class do you think uses it the best? Uh, it's not terrible. I would pick a lot of things over it. It's just, it's... It doesn't fill that role, like, of, like, right, combating the deck that has the two drops, because, like... You're playing your three drop. It's a two two, and like very, it's very likely that that'll die in a favorable trade for your opponent. And then you're like behind even more than you were before because you didn't have a two drop. Like yeah, you may have given your frost troll uh, guard, and that may catch you up later. But you need your three drops with guard to, to be uh, dark guardian. <laughs> I don't know. It's not terrible. There are definitely decks that it could work in, but I would not be excited about it. Yeah, I mean. He's a good prophecy option, right? Yeah, it's not bad. You hit it on prophecy, it's all upside. So, Kawaii Left Shark, which again, every time I see, I love the name, uh, asked an off-topic off question, Barbus keep or dust it? Um, I just want to say publicly, you always keep Barbus. Always. Yeah. He's a good boy. Yeah. He is. He's a good card. I mean... He's a really flexible card, which is what makes him good. I think you could probably succeed in, in uh, the Heroes of Skyrim Gauntlet by putting Barbus in most of your decks. So uh, we had 
two uh, additional questions. Uh, one was, when will competitive tournaments happen? Uh, they're already happening. So not only was yeah. there like the Legends Championship Series and they're on a bit of a hiatus as they rework how they want to attack things, but there is the like eSports League thing that uh, Bethesda is working with. Um, I think they're currently like European focused because I think they wanted like a small test market, but I would expect right. to see more of that in the future. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're asking like when are like huge, large scale, big money tournaments going to happen, that's anybody's guess as good as anything, but uh, competitive stuff is happening now. Um, and I would expect more of it in the future. It's just going to be slow goings. Like you have to look at who Bethesda is historically, like as a company, they never rush right. things. Like that is ever. Very, very true. They, they, they don't rush the development of their single player games. Um, when they released uh, Elder Scrolls Online, um, they purposefully were not rushing things in that, and it took several years for that to like really come to fruition. But it's very beloved as a game now, right? Like they just—that's true. They believe in small incremental, you know, changes that they feel really good about, as opposed to vast sweeping things that could make or break. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, the other question was, uh, what's the card that has saved you the most? <clears throat> That's a good question. Um, hmm. Dawnstar Healer. That's a gotta go. With, gotta go with Dawnstar Healer. That, that's a solid one. Uh, for me, it's Lightning Bolt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the number of games I've won with Lightning Bolt to the face, uh, off of like a prophecy. The number of times Lightning Bolt, you know, stopping a creature that would have killed me. Um, yeah. Those are definitely it. If I had to pick a second, right, it would be Shrieking Harpy. Um, yeah. Shriek, Shrieking Harpy, not even just off of Prophecy, but just oftentimes, like, as a tempo play. Like, I play it to make your board not be able to react to mine and continue to push pressure. Um, yeah. Is, like, an invaluable tool, so. I agree. I think Red Brahmin's got to be up there for me, too, as a card that just turns games around. I mean, yeah, so I had thought about saying something like Garnag, but the truth is, you know, the yeah. question was what one has saved me the most, and because yeah. it's a unique legend, like, Garnag right. has saved me a ton, but I just don't always see him as often, right? Like, I, right. I, I've, I've caught a lot of lightning bolts, I've caught a lot of harpies, so. Yeah, I agree. You know, someone asked earlier, we missed this question which one of us would win in a fight and i'm gonna go ahead and answer this one for both of us and say that charmer is in much better shape than i am <laughs> and would definitely win in a fight all i have going for me is like treachery and life experience but charmer's badass so i'm gonna give that one to him i don't i don't know if that's the case i think that it would be a really uninteresting cage my uh cage match if like we're both just <laughs> meditating in front of the other one right in our pacifist ways hey how tall are you man Oh, I I'm, know I'm I'm gigantic. I'm huge. I am all of five foot nine. But in my de right? in my defense, I am the tallest male on my mom's side of the family. So that's crazy. I'm the shortest, and I'm five eleven. Yeah. My brother is six three. My dad's six one. My mom's about my height. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would give you probably size and reach, but I would also I would give me um, the willingness to cheat, like. 
Yeah. I, I don't believe in fair fights. Like I've already I've already explained this to my wife. I was like, I you don't want to ever get me like in a Just bar give fight. Her the heads up. Yeah, I, I, I gave her the heads up so that we wouldn't ever be in a scenario where she was trying to like instigate something, like even when we were younger. I was like, listen, like if you're if you ever think that there's gonna be a scenario where I'm like puffing my chest or I'm saying come at me, bro, you're wrong. If I'm yeah. deciding to fight, it's because I've already thrown a punch. Like I believe in striking first. I believe in scorched earth tactics. I will, I will end it before it began. Like that's funny because like it. I just I understand that I'm five foot nine, and I understand that. Uh, yeah. You know, like fights, fights are weird. Like when it comes to like real life fights, um, it's not yeah. like the MMA man. Like it, people just like no, sometimes you catch I, I, one lucky shot, and I don't. I I like my brain yeah. way too much. I don't want somebody to catch me with a beer bottle or anything. So. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason I play charge decks. I want to hit first, <laughs> right? I don't, I, I, I don't want to give them a hope in hell. I want to be the drawn first blood and yeah. just calling it. I understand, man. I mean, I, I'm on the same page with that philosophy. Like, there's a reason I survived. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll just kind of leave it at that. Yeah, like, I, I just... I don't... I don't want to mess around with it, right? Like, if I'm deciding I'm yeah. going to fight, I'm certainly not going to telegraph, right? I'm not going to be the guy right. that, like pulls your shirt off and says like you know what's going on like no it's you know i i will i will cut you down i will (laughs) jesus christ dude (laughs) i I was about to go on some rant like i will uh i will kill you and your family i will not i will attack your family tree i will de-root it salt the earth like (laughs) wow (laughs) but that's but again like that's I, Fair enough, bro. I, right. believe, I believe in winning. Like I told you this deep down, I'm yeah. a spike. So yeah, I, I get it. I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long week. All right. No, yeah, I understand, man. I understand. Oh, um, Tallulah, uh, says that. Uh, you were a clown in prison and Charmer would fight dirty. Yep, pretty much. Nailed it. Uh, we did have the uh, good question, I felt. Team Defiance asks, uh, how do you feel losing to Prophecy uh, when you're going for lethal? It's a bummer, man. You know, it's one of those things you got to take into consideration when you're going for lethal. And I'm sure it actually only accounts for like a very small percentage of like games that you lose. But it probably feels like 50% of them because of how that works. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I like the prophecy system. I'm totally down with it. Yeah, I guess for me, right? I don't like Mystic Dragon, but I like prophecy system. Well, sure, but that's not one that's like gonna stop you when you're swinging for lethal, though, right? Like Mystic Dragon's right. the the dark side of prophecy, where it's the the yeah. free tempo. But exactly. For me, I guess I would say like one. D- does it uh, suck when it happens? Yes. But that's just because I don't like to lose. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I hate losing more than I like winning. Right? So, do I do I enjoy it when it happens? No. But am I like ultimately when I reflect, am I mad? Not really. Yeah. The thing you have to remember about legends is nothing is yours until it's yours. And it's one of the reasons yeah. that I enjoy this game. One of the common complaints I hear from uh, like new players or people who have played other games that are not familiar with how this one works is they like to say things like, I don't like prophecy, I feel like I'm being punished for winning, right? 
Like, I'm supposed right. to hit my opponent, I hit my opponent, and then suddenly they turn it around and I'm being punished for winning. But to my argument right. there is, like, you're not winning yet, right? You're winning based on, like, what's That's on true. the board, but it's not yours until it's yours. And it's, it's part of the reason I think Legends is such a superior game to Hearthstone, too, right? Yeah. Like, I still watch a couple of people play Hearthstone just because, like, I, I, I follow, like, this guy Dane who plays these really silly decks. And he's one of my favorite YouTubers. Um, and I, I, I enjoy watching him. But I as I watch, now that I'm so into Legends, like, I just can't help but feel that, like, it's obvious you're going to lose much sooner in Hearthstone than it actually is you know in in legends and, and there's always that chance of a turnaround in legends um and that's something you can build for it's something you, it, it creates additional layers of, of, of planning and gameplay that just doesn't exist elsewhere yeah well so the other thing that like stands out to me right it's just that idea of um sometimes you can be punished and it's and it's really apparent, like, after you've played the game for a bit, but, like, you can be punished for the quote-unquote, like, trying to win thing. The best example I can give is, like, when you're attacking for one when your opponent's at 26, right? Unless your deck is an all-in, sell-out, straight-to-the-face right. aggro deck, you yes. should almost never, like, just swing for one when they're right. at 26. Like, there's no benefit. Like, it's fine. Just wait a turn. You want to make sure that you can be able to respond. Similarly, like, don't go cracking runes after you spend all your magicka, especially if you have a removal in your hand, because if they get something, you need to be able to react. Um, yeah. And so people who come from other games, and they come here, and they just sell out, and they keep going face, and then they get punished for that. They say, like, well, I'm being punished for winning, but you're being punished yeah. for not recognizing the board state and not recognizing the potential outcomes, right? Yeah. So... It, it's one of those like you have to you have to learn to like deal with that and so for me <laughs> I, I got a funny story man like so i was uh i was practicing last friday uh with my singleton deck on the ladder and pete hines started spectating me <laughs> <laughs> and i'm playing this stupid assassin deck and uh I had I had set up lethal. I'm playing against I don't even remember. I was playing against Scout, and uh, I had uh, I had set up lethal on board. I was super. I mean, Scout's you know tier one, tier point one point five deck. I was like I I'm rocking it. I'm awesome. I'm getting watched by this guy, and then I just got to break these two runes. I'm like Scout runs no prophecies. I got this, and so I swing in a manner that did not play around double midnight sweep. <laughs> Oh, God. And I lost the game because I didn't play around it, and I could have. That's the worst part about this. Like, if I had thought, like, "Hey, man, this could happen," like, well, then I mean, I would have won the game. <laughs> yeah. But like those decisions, like they they're constantly there, and they add so much tension to like the decision making that I, I think it's I think it's great. Yeah, I, I and that's exactly kind of what I'm, you know, trying to say is it's that whole right the surprise factor but it's not really a surprise because it's like potential known values is right just something that you have to to take into account um yeah i i can tell you so many times that uh i've been saved by prophecies as well and it just feels really good like playing to your outs like i think i've got yeah. on a youtube channel a video i called sometimes lucky and i mm -hmm. i literally made it because i was like you know it's really easy to complain and have that confirmation bias and think like, oh man, my opponents always get it. 
but like I had a right. run of like two days where like everything went right. So I was like, I'm I'm gonna record this and just rewatch this every time I get down. And it actually does a lot for me personally to like rewatch those games and be like, oh yeah, sometimes yeah. it does happen to me. Absolutely. You know, the only video of mine that I've watched <laughs> repeatedly, actually, is the, rec the relatively recent one where I'm playing the orc deck and I get all frustrated and lose, and then I go, <laughs> I meet God, the cat, and whatever. <laughs> I don't know why, but, like, for the most part, I hate watching myself, but, <laughs> like, I love watching myself roll around in the grass with my cat. Like, that is the only video of mine I've watched more than once, for sure. Oh, wow. I like to watch, um, so I did one where... I kill somebody with Alina Banak by shooting him in the face with her ability, but oh, yeah. I uh, I did it like an Overwatch highlight. So if you play Overwatch, I highlight yeah, that's right. That. I remember that now. I, yeah. I, I'll rewatch that because that one's quick and I just enjoy yeah. it. And I got a couple others. <laughs> Do you remember the Reddit post when Elena was given? Because Elena used to just she's a six Magicka one one with lethal that uh, deals one damage to something when she comes into play. She used to only be able to do damage to creatures. Yeah. And she was changed to be able to do damage to players, which is fine. Uh, but, you know, Bethesda has a policy of allowing you to disenchant uh, Soul Trap cards for their full Soul Shard value if they've been nerfed, but not if they've been buffed. And somebody posted on Reddit after that that they were really pissed they couldn't Soul Trap their Elena because <laughs> they, 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 it had been changed. And uh, somebody asked, like, what are you talking about? Is there a clear buff, like 100% buff? And he's like, the card is more complicated now, and people might get confused, so it's worse. <laughs> yeah, they might shoot themselves in the face, was literally their argument. I do remember that. Oh my god, I think that's one of the funniest things I've ever read on Reddit. Yeah, that was great. I don't want it to get lost. So, uh, Duke, uh, Duke Wolf asked uh, a while back, more related yeah. to the community, what do you think is the most rage-inducing deck to play against? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, oh, no, wait, I know. It's <laughs> it's Battle Mage decks of the Charge or Prophecy variety for me. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks, dude. <laughs> I li I, like, three months ago, I literally sent him a message on Twitter just saying, like, fuck your Charge deck. Yeah, you really did. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh. Yeah. But again, to be fair, it wasn't like it was a flavor of the month thing. I've literally been trying to make that archetype work for like nine months. It just finally took off in popularity. People stopped telling me that I was a horrible player for including Rampaging Minotaur. That used to be my favorite thing ever when I played the very first version of that deck. Despite, yeah. I would win like 70-80% of my games with it on stream and nightly people would be like, this deck is junk, and you're a horrible player, and I nobody should ever run Rampaging Minotaur. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I do hate playing against that deck. Well, I mean, of course, it's... It was it was fun when I was playing a lot of uh, the mid-range Crusader deck. Uh, that deck just, like, destroys that deck. And uh, that was fun. <laughs> so I guess I didn't mind those matchups then, but... Yeah, other than that, it's just I just don't enjoy that deck. Yeah, so for me, I think the most rage-inducing deck to play against is probably Support Mage. Oh, yeah. Because There are decks that just have no way to beat that. Because there are some decks that just have no way to beat it, and there's just no... It feels like when you're playing the decks that have a bad matchup against it, it feels like there's nothing you can do. Like, I can remove Cauldron right. Keepers, I can remove 
the like alchemists that let them get unlimited charges i can do all of those things and like it still doesn't matter like they just gain a ridiculous amount of health and they do all of the things um doesn't matter if it's aggro or mid-range um basically unless you're also playing like ramp scout or something like you lose the support mage it feels like <laughs> right um, yeah i agree and it, i think i think that deck's done a good job of leading the like i think that deck's part of the reason tokens were so hated out yeah i would agree uh actually flattering question uh i'm new to twitch is charmer and justin uh the developer of the game no we are <laughs> uh we are not no. the developers the game is developed by a company called direwolf digital uh sometimes yeah. a couple of the devs will pop in because they're very kind and hang out and chat with us Yes. Um, the game is also published by Bethesda, and so some of the Bethesda staff will also sometimes pop in, but we are just yeah. incredibly uh, avid fans who've been playing since closed beta and yes. love to talk about it. Right. I do work down the street from, from Direwolf. <laughs> That's as close as I get. Probably wow, this is the, I was going to say, this is the first time my volume has ever been proper. Yeah. And I was going <laughs> to say, it's probably because I'm not talking toward the mic. Um, yeah. I need to likely adjust my levels after this. I, I think you need to adjust your levels after going on that rant about destroying people completely. <laughs> <laughs> oh. and by, I, I mean Xanax levels, bro. Yeah, I know. So I... It's 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 in there, right? Like it's the it's the old Bruce Banner. That's my secret. I'm always angry. Oh, no, yeah. honestly, I think my levels got adjusted. So if you guys aren't familiar, sometimes I make my wife guest stream horror games, and she's a lot more animated, a lot more entertaining, but also a little bit louder than me. So I typically turn the mic down a hair when she streams, and I think I forgot to turn it back up afterwards. So I'll have to adjust it later. My apologies. Um, yep. Joe asks, uh, what does Charmer do for work? What does Charmer not do for work? Um, my primary day job during the day is I work for my state government, specifically in our Department of Treasury. I work in data governance and I try to help identify and prevent identity theft and tax fraud. Um, I also teach computer science for a local university at night. Uh, so I teach college um, programming courses and college, uh, like this semester I'm teaching database design. I also do some consulting work for my previous employer, which was a nonprofit uh, organization that worked in K-12 education. And so I'll do some stuff for them. And then there's the, the Twitch thing, right? So like I, I stream here, uh, I don't make any money off of this though. This is entirely my hobby. I do this because I love it and I love you guys, but like I stream on Twitch, I have a YouTube channel. Um, I do all of those things, so. Yeah. Rock and roll, man. And Justin, uh, just yeah. all Justin does for work is he gets promoted. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, was specifically what I do is I work on a grant that um, my new job is to work with people age 18 to 24 who are involved in the justice system who are who live in high crime high poverty neighborhoods as defined by the census who are uh, at risk of going to prison 
and uh, do psychotherapy. Also, I... Uh... No, that's it. That's it. <laughs> oh, I'm in grad school, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yes, I also do that. I have no free time. Yeah. We're very busy, but we keep finding time for this. That's true. That's true. <clears throat> um, Resident Evil 7 is better than Resident Evil. Uh, fun fact, the first rated R movie I saw in the theater that I actually bought a ticket for was the Resident Evil movie. The first one. Really? The first yeah, rated R, huh? That I bought a ticket for, yeah. The first rated R movie I saw in the theater was... My parents took me to see Schindler's List when I was a kid. And then a couple years after that, I snuck into the South Park movie. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, the first rated R movie that I bought a ticket for. Man. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I used to sneak into movies all the time. <laughs> Joe, Joe's asking about yeah, that I bought a ticket. Well, like, I used to sneak into movies or I'd get other people yeah. to buy me tickets or whatever the case may be. But yeah. I'm trying to think about, like, the first rated R movie. Like, I gotta think about, like, when I would have even been, like, old enough, right? Yeah. So it would have been, like, 2001? Yeah. What came out in 2001? I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know either. I feel like it's gonna be something, like, super lame, too. It's not even gonna be... Yeah, well, Resident Evil's kinda lame. Yeah, I mean, it really was. I don't know. Yeah. That's a franchise just as a general thing that, like, I felt like I really enjoyed the first one. Um, yeah. I don't even remember if I... I mean, I was high as fuck. I kind of yeah, remember. Like, I, I really enjoyed the first one because of, like, what it, <clears throat> what it was offering, and then it started yeah. to derail. Like, I enjoyed the horror aspects of it, right? Like, I enjoyed yeah. that it purposely gave you, like, horrible camera angles so that things could jump out at you and those things. And then right. it eventually just turned into, like, a first-person shooter where you just shot zombies all the time, and like, I kind of just stopped caring, and I prefer, like, the horror aspects. I I don't know, I, I like I like horror games, I like psychological games, I love it when they mix. Like, one of my favorite games of the last couple, like, two years or so is Soma, still. Um, if you haven't played that, Justin, I highly recommend no. it. It's a single-player, like, psychological horror game, and <laughs> I... The, I think the reason I enjoyed it is because the, the concept and the story behind it is the sort of thing that like two weeks later I was still thinking about it and I don't yeah. want to like I don't want to say too much because if you haven't played it I don't want to give it away but I, I would so, highly Soma? yeah like Soma. the S-O-M-A yeah like the drug from Brave New World yeah it's uh it it, it was really enjoyable for me so alright yeah I'll check it out um we got some questions what do I think of Mentor's Ring? <clears throat> Mentor's Ring is funny when you use it to one turn kill somebody in Battle Mage. Mentor's Ring is playable in some wacky assassin decks. Uh, I mean, that, that's those are the two instances I've ever used it for. I, I used to use it as a one of in Sorcerer to throw on uh, Night Shadow and give all my creatures drain. That works. You, yeah. you basically just win the game when that happens. I, I think it's perfectly costed. It's just like super situational. Yeah. I do want to say that I think that it's interesting you're okay with charge when it's a one-turn kill. 
Yeah, look, that I, deck, if that deck was good, I would be more concerned about I it. I take, like, four turns to kill somebody with my charge creatures, Justin. Four whole look, turns and you have a problem. Look, somebody does look, it in man, one. The Stealer of Secrets combo deck is the worst <laughs> combo deck I've ever played. I mean, I've, I have a higher, better success rate with with uh, Riri Barker's insane monk deck that's not really even supposed to win games. I, I win more often with that than I do with the uh, Stealer Secrets deck. I have a legitimate question for you, though, Justin. Yeah. As we talk about like trying to stay one one step ahead of the meta, um, yeah. a while ago, and I, I, for the most part, I think it's still roughly true, with the exception of Support Mage starting to pop up, but yeah. a while ago, you and I had talked about this might be the like the lowest usage of lightning bolt in yeah. legends history right yeah yeah so given that there's not a lot of like those instant impact prophecies that could potentially interrupt stuff yeah do you, do you think that there's room for uh the wisp raider combo deck to make a comeback that's a good question i think that that deck well you know it's funny you mentioned i was thinking about its matchup against mage right because mage has the most ways to interrupt that as far as prophecies go with lightning bolt and piercing javelin mm -hmm. but i think that that deck might be able to just win well look there's two possibilities the one on the one hand uh, support mage gives that deck all the time it needs to do that dumb dumb stuff but if they put you on wisp mother combo you'll lose Right. Because they'll they'll shift their game plan. Yeah. But beyond that, I think it might be a pretty good time to play it. Like you don't see like there, are, like not even every willpower deck runs javelin, right? So. Yeah, I mean the reason I say support mage specifically is because they have the best ways to just like, oops, I gained thirty life, right? So they right, exactly. they can keep you from triggering that first rune to set it I off. I think. Right. I think they think, like the minute you play Merchant's Camel, they play Undying Dragon, and you lose. <laughs> yeah. But like outside of that, um, there's just not a lot of you know That's decks true. that are running ways to interrupt it. So it, like if you can survive long enough to pull it off, it is a deck that has ice storm in it. Um, yeah. I you know I I think that it could. Be I like fun it. To try. I do like that idea. Um, Justin, are you still playing Civ Six? Uh, I not as much lately. I'm really excited about the update that we just got with the new religious units and um, the two new civilizations that are coming out, uh, and I'll definitely try those out. Um, I kind of go in spurts, right? Like because like Civ Six takes like eight hours for a game when you play it, like I do. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't have uh, eight-hour uninterrupted blocks um, to work with right now, but I'll make the time. Um, when those new civilizations come out. Civ 6 is great, though. I mean, look, I've played Civ 4, Civ 5, and Civ 6, uh, all within the last, like, three years. And uh, that's when I got into Civilization. And I think Civ 6 is the best. Yeah, I really liked uh, Beyond Earth. Yeah, well. I like that, too. I have Beyond Earth as well. I like that game. Um, I felt like... It was a great concept. It just needed to be like fleshed out a hair more, in my opinion. But I really enjoyed playing that. I agree. I, in fact, I think I played my most recent Beyond Earth game within the last month, and it's been about it's been about that long too since I played Civilization. I've been, ever since I got um, Divinity: Original Sin two, like that's been eating up my my uh, gaming time as far oh, nice. as uh, things besides Legends go. Yeah, that's a solid choice. That game is amazing. 
I'm nowhere near beating. I've nowhere near beaten the game. I've started over twice for no particular reason. But Pete Crichton, yeah, I actually I own Endless Legend. Um, I've probably only put like 20 hours into it over the last couple of years, but I haven't. Uh, it's just a matter of time. I've enjoyed what I've seen so far. Yeah, I. I, I will admit, I love Civ games. I think my biggest problem with those is just simply that uh, they're a time trap. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not right. even that you need the eight-hour block. It's just that you inevitably play for eight hours. It's always one more right. turn, right? One more turn. Yeah. One more turn. Will, it definitely indulges, like, this compulsive side of me that, like, I try to, like, keep at bay. Like, I, I try to make it a point not to do too much of anything for too long at a time. And with Civilization, it's really hard. So, um... I mean, that's just like a personal thing for me, but I do really enjoy the game. Um, yeah. One more turn, indeed. My favorite civilization right now, Civ 6, is Australia. I've been enjoying that one lately. Any particular reason, or...? Um, I, uh... I've been trying lately to... I haven't been successful yet. I play on like the higher difficulty levels. I've been trying to win on natural start or uh, true location start Earth with Australia a religious victory. It's just like something I've got caught in my head is something I want to do, and I haven't been able to pull it off yet. It's just uh, the fact that I haven't been able to do it's been eating away at me. Um, I like uh, Australia as a true as a. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun in the. Now, true location starts because like you have all of Australia right um, and uh, I don't know they're not particularly set up for a religious victory either so it's the challenge I think it's hard to spread your religion when you're trapped on your lonely continent right exactly there's a lot of reasons it's not working but I've been enjoying it yeah yeah. We want to take final questions? Yeah, I think so. I was trying to scan, but I don't think that we've had any other Legends-related ones come through. Australia, the land of nope. You know, I always, I'd like to go to Australia someday in real life. That'd be sweet. I am plan Sandra and I have plotted out our... Uh, we're taking a vacation. Uh, we're taking a vacation the second week of December. We're going to... San Diego. We're gonna drive. We're gonna drive it. We're gonna go to Santa Fe for two days. View do, do, do the art gallery thing there. Harass George R. R. Martin about why he's not finishing his fucking books. Um, then we're going to Flagstaff to see Meteor Crater, and then we're gonna go straight down Route 66 and uh, end up in Los Angeles. Then to go south to San Diego. Yeah, that sounds like a blast. Yeah, I'm excited. I've got family in Australia. Do you I really? Yeah, I really wish I would have went sooner. Like, one of my favorite cousins lived out there. He was a actor and a vocal coach. He actually moved out there for work. Oh, cool. Um, then, like, met the love of his life, got married, had kids. Um, but then he died in his early 40s from throat cancer. Oh, wow. So... Well, I mean, it was esophageal cancer, but like right, it was right. very unexpected. And it was always one of those things that like, it's a, it's an expensive trip. So we kept saying like, we're going to save and then go do it. And then, yeah. Yeah. Kind of wow. Weird. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's 
my family. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, they just drop like flies, unfortunately, especially on my mom's side. Um, we're not a very hardy people. Yeah. My people die of alcoholism. <laughs> so, like, on my father's side, they're all alcoholics and they're all indestructible. Like, my grandma lived to be, like, 94. And, yeah. And, like was the most like resilient active person i know my biological father has been a raging alcoholic for like well before like i was born and not only does the dude still look like he's probably in his early 40s but like he's been been to prison and all of these other things and he just he, yeah. like i don't know how he has a liver let me put it to you that way right like this is a dude right. that used to this is what he would do right for his work days uh, to get away with drinking while at work and driving, he would buy his, his 40, but then he would put it in one of those, like, do you remember the old plastic, like, giant 7-Up cups, but that were, um, like, meant for slushies? Yeah, yeah, like, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he yeah. would, like, dump his 40 in there so that it was hidden, and then just, like, drink and drive with that every day. And, like, I, he just consumes so much. Like, I don't know how his liver isn't solid. Um, yeah. So I'm 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 either going to live forever or I'm going yeah. to like die in my 40s and there's not much in between unfortunately. You know you always see those uh those interviews with like people who are like 115 right and they're like what's your secret and they're like well I get up and I take a shot of whiskey and I smoke a cigar and then I eat a pound of bacon and you realize like that it's not that like smoking cigars drinking whiskey and eating bacon is like the key to living to 115 it's that, like this guy would live through anything. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, he realized it at some point, and he's like, well, you know what? <laughs> like, I might as well go hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's either those people or the, the ones that always crack me up as well. Um, I, I remember once there was this lady, she was like 106, and they asked her yeah. what the key to her longevity was, and she was like, yeah. well, I sleep a lot. And in my head, I was like, okay, so really you've lived the life of like a 70-year-old, but you right, spent like right. an extra 40 years in bed. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. That's all right, though. Pete writes that my German is impeccable. I, I've actually spent some time in Germany uh, when I was uh, a younger man. I went there with my granddad. I have family there and um, drank my way across the country <laughs> with my granddad. So this is all connecting. It's all on topic. Yeah. I, I yeah. wish that I had cool travel stories, but I've only left the country once. Yeah. Um, I, I live in Michigan. I drove to the Windsor Casino. So if you're not familiar, um, right. it's like five minutes from the border. I drove to the casino. I played for like eight hours and then I came home. That is Very my nice. entire international experience. Um, I've been to Canada, Mexico, the Netherlands... Germany, Austria, Italy, Slovenia, mm, some of the Caribbean islands. Uh, you know, I wasn't always a homeless junkie. Like, I was good at it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm getting close. I was literally, there's a big train that runs um, past where I work. And yeah. I literally said to a coworker on Friday, I was like, do you ever just look at that train and think... I should hop on and just never come back. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Uh, where have I been in Germany? I don't know, man. Like, all over the place. I spent a couple weeks in uh, Munich. Um, but, like, all the major cities. Um, what are some off-the-wall places? I don't know, man. This was 15 years ago. <laughs> so, Mox says, uh, Legend's supposed to add much to talk about. No, we're just rolling up on the end and people stopped asking questions, mate. Uh, Duke, how do people get the javelin with the new artwork? That was part of a special oh, yeah. gauntlet run. Um, so you basically had to participate in it, and then you got three copies of the javelin. Yeah. They have not said if they will run that event again or if it's going to be like a time-limited thing, but it, yeah. it comes from a very specific event. Yeah. Um, I have cousins who live in Berlin. I know I visited them, Melissa. Um, it looks like we got uh, one more game related question Joe asks what sort of design decisions do you hope Direwolf Digital will steer away from for the next expansion that's an interesting question what do we want them to avoid um, I feel like we're at a critical mass of ramp effects that are necessary in the format at any given time I don't yeah, know if that's a design I, decision I, I was going to say for me I feel the same way about charge creatures. I was going to say, it's not even just like ramp in general. For me, I think that each class has a pretty solid identity right now, but I'm not sure that I want to see them play up those identities any further in the current form, or whether that's, yeah. you know, ramp, whether that's charge, direct damage, etc. I would like yeah. to see them explore new options for the different classes, still keep them feeling different and unique, yeah. but if they continue to give us more of the same, we're certainly going to run into a situation where deck diversity drops even further because there will just be too many cards that are just like that good that become auto include that you won't like run anything in between. So I would I like to see them explore new territories opposed to just uh, continuing to slab bricks on the existing foundation, if that makes any sense. I agree. I want to give Moxfire a shout out. <clears throat> it's been a while, man. How you been? I guess this is not a two-way conversation, but it's good to see you. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's definitely... It's good every time he stops by. If you guys don't know, he used to stream Legends a, a long time ago, and then some Gwent, and so on and so forth. Mud Crab Challenge. Mud Crab Challenge. Yep. I talked about that last week, actually. I checked out Hand of the Gods. I bought all those intro packs or whatever. It's interesting. And you need some work, but I, you know, it's it's definitely it's like it's not competing with Legends. Like it's a completely different kind of game. Um, but I enjoy it. Yeah, it's okay. Something just feels off to me, and it's weird. I feel like it would be the game that's right up my alley. I'm a huge like Greek myth and Norse myth and so on and so forth uh, style nerd. So from yeah. an IP standpoint, it should be right up my alley. I also enjoy yeah. like strategic board games. Uh, it's one of the yeah. reasons I enjoy Shardbound as much as I do. So that part should be right up my alley. I love card games. That part should be right up. And yet when I play it, I just continue to have this feeling like something is missing. I don't know if it's just because there's not enough depth to it yet. Because even though... Yeah. Like, even though each Pantheon has, like, their own, like, leader with abilities and whatever, like, I don't know. It always feels like I'm playing the same thing regardless. 
if that makes sense, right? Like, everything feels yeah. like I just play things and hope that they're better than what my opponent has. Board position yeah. matters a little, but not a lot, right? It's not like Shardbound where yeah. terrain matters and high ground and line of sight and all of those things. Um, yeah. I feel like it's just not enough of what I want. Something is missing, but I can't, like... Some parts of the game are very unintuitive, too. Like, I've learned way... Like, I'd learned basically nothing in the tutorial and, uh, learned everything I know about the game by repeatedly fucking up when things didn't do what I thought they were gonna do. Yeah, I mean, there's that, too. Um, you know, if you haven't played, like, Duelist or whatever before, there's this, like... Especially if you're coming from Shardbound, this moment where you're like, oh, wait, like, ranged things counterattack? Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't... Like I said, I don't know how to fully articulate it. It just... One, it feels to me like the game wasn't made by people who make, like, card games. Yeah. That might be the right way to put it. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, I, I want to like it. And I, I've been playing in it here and there, and it's not bad. Like, I, I don't want this to be, like, an undersell of the game. If you haven't tried it out, yeah. you should try it. I, I don't guess, think it's bad either. I, I, it just needs a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It doesn't grab me the way some of the other stuff does. So I think we should, I think we should take Joe's question as our last one for the night. Um... <clears throat> Joe writes, Dear Charmer, do you ever think they will surpass Jural Forager as being a, the objectively worst creature in the game? First of all, Jural Forager is not the worst creature in the game. That's why I own a premium playset. Come yeah. fight me. We we crafted uh, you crafted the premium playset a couple weeks ago on the show. Yeah. Jural yeah. Forager, not the worst creature. Very nice. But uh, no, I don't yeah. think that I don't think that they will ever objectively like on purpose do something worse unless there's also a gimmick with it. I guess I'll I would say play, that preface, right? Like I would, I would play Gerald Forger a million times before I played Studium Headmaster. <laughs> I would play Gerald Forger like long before I would play like even some of the robot options. Like let's be honest. Like, unless you're playing the robot deck, there's no reason to put the robots in anything. That's true. Only Spider Worker really kind of squeaks by as a draw-your-combo-pieces kind of card. Right, or like the big 6-8 guy who I think is actually good enough in some yeah. decks, but... Yeah. But yeah, like, I don't well, think... Well, the 6-6 six, six for 5 or whatever is pretty good, too. Yeah. So... I don't think that they're ever going to just be like, you know, here's a 1-1 one, one for 2, unless there's yeah. some, some other gimmick with it, right? Like, I could see yeah. them saying, like, here's a vanilla 1-1 one, one for 2, but then you have, like, another card that says, like, if you have three vanilla 1-1s, one, uh, you know, I'm just saying vanilla 1-1s, one, like, let's call it, um, you know, let's call it mud, uh, uh, not... Uh, tranquil mud crab, right? Like not enraged mud crab. Let's call it tranquil mud crab. Get so here, dude. The, maybe they, maybe they're like, here, here's uh, the pacifist mud crab, right? And then, yeah. and you're just like, oh, okay, it's a, it's a nice, cute tranquil mud crab. But then maybe they print something else that's like, if you have three tranquil mud crabs on the board, you know, transform them into, you know, mega super ultra Voltron mud crab or something, right? Like there would have to be a reason to purposefully print bad cards to then give you some sort of other payoff like they'll never just be like right here's a pile you know i agree i think on a balance boggler sure is worse than gerald forager too well i mean that's a good example of a bad card that is 
around a potential combo, right? Like, you put Lurcher in the Unstoppable Rage combo deck, but, like, yeah. not, by itself, you're not really ever, like, excited to have Fog Archer. Yeah, so. I agree. Indeed. Good show, man. Yeah, as always. Just just a heads up to everyone. Um, next week we will also be on Saturday, and then I think we're going to return to our regular Friday schedule. Next Friday is Sandra's birthday, so uh, we'll be going to a concert. Yeah, Justin is going to do something uh, with his significant other on their day, whereas on my yes. 10th wedding anniversary, I did the podcast because Justin has his priorities straight, and yes. I do not. Man, I, I got to lecture people all day about taking care of themselves. Like, I, I mean, I don't lecture, but I got to take care of myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I take care of myself by taking care of Sandra. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's 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 just true. <laughs> yeah. Look, if, if my 20s taught me anything, it's that when I am left in charge of making all the decisions, <laughs> things go horribly awry. Um, that's not just my 20s. That's like my entire life. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, this was this was good. This was fun. Um, you know, we stayed on topic more tonight than I think ever before. Yeah, I mean, that that's it. And I would almost say that besides my whole, like, I want to murder everybody rant, yeah. we were pretty well on topic. Um, well done. Hopefully. And we talked about peeing out outside, too. Yeah. Hopefully, by the time we do this next Saturday, yeah. we'll have some good news, right? Hopefully. We're, we're getting close to that point. I imagine we will have to. At the very least, we'll have the monthly card to talk about, but I get the impression we will have more to talk about. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see. Maybe, maybe, uh, yeah. I'll talk to you a little bit off, but we'll see what we can do. Wait, what? Do you know something I don't know? Um, no, I just, I have some ideas. But... Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause I might know something you don't know. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. I don't know anything. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm sure I know something that you don't know, but I haven't told anyone where that body's buried, so that's just a blanket statement. So shit. <laughs> but yeah, I, well, I I'm excited about next week. I, you're right. At a minimum, we'll have the uh, new monthly reward card to talk about, but yeah. it'll be nice to hopefully have something yeah. else to talk about maybe we'll be able to practice with some of our heroes of skyrim decks yeah we could we could potentially do that um we could potentially do a halloween themed podcast in costume oh bro that's what we're doing i mean like i said i wanted yeah. to talk to you off because i i've got yeah. some ideas but i can never tell when we're off the air i for a couple weeks I, I've thought that we were off the air when I start saying like, "Hey, good show" and stuff. Yeah, no, I always tell you, you'll know because I'll say, "And yeah. we're done recording." But me saying it, now I, well, is I start part phone, of the conversation. I start phoning it in like ten minutes before we go off the air. I know, but I think people <laughs> like that. They, it feels like they get to know the real you and not the radio you. Fair enough. But yeah, the good news is we'll have good stuff next week. And yes. Uh, this is a good show. Good good work, team. See y'all on the ladder. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs>